Romans 16, verses 3 to 5. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risk their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Greet my beloved Epinatus, who is the first fruit of Achaia to Christ. And so, you know, what, to our friends like that, that he said, they would lay down their lives for him. You know, Jesus said, no greater love as a man than this than to lay down one's life for someone else. That's the greatest love, and of course, Christ was foreshadowing his own death on the cross. And in 1 Corinthians 16, 19, the churches of Asia greet you, Aquila and Priscilla greet you, heartily in the Lord, with the church that is in their house. So, we have this word church. How important is the church in your life? Um, during the lockdown, uh, many Christians couldn't meet in their homes um, and they met in their homes and it was a, a church at home where we had sermons and hymns and we enjoyed that, that fellowship but to be honest it was getting a bit too comfortable. That armchair church was, um, I was scared of it taking hold of us and it was a hard decision um, to whether to put the services on, on online all the time or would people then be happy just to sit in there or, or get out of the chair and, and come to the church meeting. But we, we need to understand a little bit more about this. So what do I mean with the title, my church or the church in my home? Um, well, it could mean two things. It could mean my local church, when we talk about the church, of which I'm a member and regularly attend, like for us, it's the Rock of Ages, or it could mean the church in my home, which I also attend regularly. In fact, the church in my home is my everyday church. Yeah. The question here for us all, is there a church in your house? And what is a house church or a church in your house? What do we mean? Well, we know that when we gather together on a Sunday in our church building, God is present with us. That's not the church, is it? No. no. There's the church. God is present with us. But what about the church in your house? Is God there? Or is God barred from your house during the week? Why might you, uh, God be barred from your house during the week? Well, it might be that your children, your grown-up children, or some other people happen to be present or actually resent the gospel. Because that can happen. Yeah. Our children can grow up resenting the gospel. Yeah. And so when people are present who don't, who maybe is aggressive against the gospel, is God barred for a while? In an article, Where Now Is Thy God, J. Wallace Hamilton told of an advertisement in the Chicago Sun-Times of an offer of an architectural firm to supply blueprints for what is called homes with a religious heart. 
And these were an architect's plans for people wealthy enough to have a, a new home built with their own private chapel in it. He said there may be something appealing about that to some people in a distorted view of a godly home. In other words, it looks religious. You know, people like to have religious emblems, don't they? Because they'll look religious. People coming to their homes might look at these religious emblems and think, you know, these are godly people. And so we have to uh, understand what um, emblems can lead to a false impression. But in the proper sense, in the New Testament, for Christians, the church met in homes. Uh, with that in mind, we need to understand what a church is. At several places in the New Testament, reference is made to a church in someone's house. There were no church buildings in the early days of Christianity. And where the word church is used in the New Testament, the Greek word is ecclesia, from where we get to ecclesiology. And it means, the ecclesia means the congregation of those called out. Those people called out of the world. They're the people of God. That's what it means, ecclesia, the church. It's the people of God. And it's synonymous with the word synagogue, which means the same, an assembly of the congregation of God's people. So, the church is... is uh, the Christian church, the synagogue, was the Jewish church. And what else is the church? Well, the church is the body of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. And Christ alone is the head of the church. It bothers me when I hear people say, you don't have to uh, go to church to be a Christian. If they're talking about that, yeah. But if they're not a member of the body of Christ, which is the church, then how can they belong to it? You know, um, the church is the body of Christ. It's the bride of Christ. And whereas the church is an assembly of Christians, as we've said, the synagogue was an assembly of Jews. People who were under God. People who gather together because they've been called together by God. That's who we are. The church, properly... Is people who've been called out of the world to be God's people. Together. So in the early churches, the called out ones, the people of God, met in homes, meeting together in one of the homes of its members. But there's more meaning to the word church. It can mean that each home can have a church in it. It can mean that homes should have the same atmosphere, the same spiritual strength, the same fellowship and love, the same sense of the holy, the same guiding principles as their local church. In other words, we're not Sunday Christians. We're members of the church, not just on a Sunday or when we have special meetings. We're members of the church permanently. Yeah. A man called Leonard Griffith expressed it like this. He says it means that our families moving back and forth between the local church and their home encounter not two loyalties, but one. Not two sets of values, but one. And so, 
How does that work out? How can you have a church in your house? Of course, it's not always possible where you're the only Christian in the family. And we have to allow for that. Because that's a reality. That sometimes the wife's saved, sometimes the husband's saved, or sometimes one of the children, one of the young people. And where that happens, it's often difficult to um, actually have a home church in the way that you can when everybody's a Christian who's in the house. Um, and in that situation, I think, and I'm sure Dawn did this before I was a Christian, I'm sure some of you might have, is the one who is a Christian will go into a room and pray for those in the house who are not. Or all day long, they'll be praying on and off. Yeah. All day long, they're God conscious. Yeah. And, uh, and in that respect, it is a Christian home, but not everybody in it is a Christian. And two of the references in the New Testament to a church in a home are to the faithful Christian couple, Aquila and Priscilla. And as we read from our readings in Acts, 13, Acts 16 and 1 Corinthians 16, we have these two people, Aquila and Priscilla. Aquila was a Jew, with all other Jews. Aquila and Priscilla were banished from Rome in AD 52. And apparently Paul met them in church where they shared in their mutual profession of tent making. You know, that's often where we, we meet people in the same profession as us. And we find reference to them in Ephesus. They may have moved to Ephesus with Paul. Paul talks about them with great compassion. And by the time the book of Romans was written, they drifted back to Rome. Wherever they moved, they were faithful, active Christians, wherever they went, Aquila and Priscilla. And we're told that at least in two of the places, the church met in their house. And I thought, what would our homes have to be in order for us to have a church in our homes? Well, we don't really mean what would they have to be to hold a home Bible study. We mean, what would they have to be in order for our families to be able to say that in our house, our family gathering is the gathering of the church? Well, first, it would have to be a place where God is honoured. If we're Christians in our homes, in our home church, God is to be honoured. And with that question, who is honoured most in your home? Is it God? Is it a famous sports figure? Is it a current movie star? Is it some singer? Some political figure? I'll tell you, there are lots of people, for whose eyes true, that the people who are honoured in their home is, is some person some talented person, some, someone they really respect. But in a Christian home, the Lord should be honoured. Yeah. Christian characteristics should be evident if God is to be honoured in our homes. People should know that we're Christians. This involves God-consciousness. Um, God consciousness motivates us to worship. 
It will be a real part of life. Christian values will be actually and actively stressed. Um, I don't know about you, but I feel God conscious all the time. Not to mean to say I'm floating on the cloud or anything, but all the time I have like a, a knowledge, a, I'm not saying I have any supernatural presence, but I'm God conscious. I'm God conscious in, in that if something comes on the television and it's wrong, boom, God consciousness. Yeah. If, if I hear someone saying rude things, even though I used to do things like that when I went down the coal mine, God consciousness, there's something, phew, and I think it's something to do with that, I've hidden your word in my heart yeah. that I might not sin against you. And so, in a Christian home, you'll be God conscious. A minister was visiting a home when he asked for a Bible. And after searching high and low, they finally found the Bible buried under a pile of forgotten books and papers covered with dust. And as the owner lifted it out, a pair of glasses fell out along with it. Wow, he said, I lost those years, those glasses years ago. You should have read the book more often, the minister replied. It contains a good many things you've lost. If God is to be truly honoured in a home, then the people in the home will be more honoured. So in a Christian home, there should be the word of God. There should be a Bible. In 1 Samuel 2, 30, So therefore the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, far be it from me, for those who honour me I will honour, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. And that's a, a great saying, if you remember, from the, the runner who refused to compete on the Lord's day. And even though they begged him, someone slipped that into his hand, as, just as he was about to race, he wouldn't race on the Lord's day. Those who honour me, I will honour. A Christian home where God is honoured will develop into a happy home. A new relationship of mutual love, trust and respect can grow up between the husband and the wife and between children and parents. We know our, our children rebel uh, often um, and we keep praying for them. But if we're sincere and live out, our children need to see that we're serious about our faith. They can recognise hypocritical values, you know, that you're professing Christianity in one breath and, and not behaving like a Christian uh, in another. And so our children, our families need to see that we're God-honouring people. To honour God is to recognise his claims on our home and on the occupants. If we're God's people, then we're God's people no matter where we are. No matter where we are. I can't only be a Christian in the church building and then go home to forget what claims God has on my life, on your life. It's sad that people leave church on a Sunday. And on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, there doesn't seem any God consciousness there. People do their own thing. And as a Christian, whether father, mother, husband, wife, child, you're responsible to make your home where the Lord is acknowledged and lifted up and honoured and not to be ignored. How can we profess uh, to be part of God's church? Let's remember, 
doesn't mean just remember when we're here. Remember when we're at home. How can we profess to be a member of the church of God, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, but have no God consciousness? Each of us is responsible to our family to make them know that we don't only worship God in the church building. We're not just Sunday Christians. But we worship him every day, every hour, every moment of our life by being God-conscious. Theocentric rather than egocentric. And, and of course that doesn't mean that every moment of the day uh, you're, you're praying on and off and not doing anything else. You've got other duties to do. Yeah. It means you're God-conscious. You're God-conscious all day, every day. Theocentric instead of egocentric. Egocentric is all about me. Theocentric is all about God. And if we truly honour the Lord in our homes, I believe that our homes will be a place where Christ is acknowledged as Lord of the home as well of our personal lives. You know, our homes are where we spend most of our time. Yeah. And secondly, to have a church in our house, it must be a place where Jesus is welcomed. By this it means more than a plaque hanging on a wall stating Christ is the unseen guest in this house. The unseen visitor at each meal. We can have loads of these plaques and these symbols making statements. It means, well it does mean, it means our home is a place where Christ is seen in us, not on a plaque. Nothing wrong with plaques, don't get me wrong. Not some in our house. But it's the Christ seen in us, not in the plaque. Yeah. Where we're not embarrassed to speak in his name and to show Christian values and to guard our speech, not using our tongues in an ungodly manner. You know, little ears, they hear what we're saying. Yeah. And think of the, the New Testament picture of the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus in Bethany. What a godly home that was. Jesus was always a welcome guest in their house. Spent many times with them. He was accepted as, as one of their family. How easy it would have been in their home to introduce someone to Jesus. You know, I said, a, a godly home. So what about our homes? Is the atmosphere in our home such as where Jesus would feel at home? Would our homes be a place where we could introduce our family and friends to the Lord Jesus? If Jesus is truly welcomed in our homes, then we have a home church. In fact, the teachings and practices of Christ would be a normal part of the life in our home. It, it, it's just, just, just flow from you. You know, someone said that um, it's like a, a stick of rock and when you open it, it has some words in it. But it's like our souls. Christ is written on our souls. He's written in our character. It should be evident. A story is told of two simple people who lived in a fisherman's cottage in a little village by the sea. And when the man came home at the end of the day, his wife said to him, the new minister came today. And he asked a question, but I couldn't answer it. What did he ask? Well, he, 
He says, does Jesus Christ live here? What did you say? So I didn't know what to say. Well, couldn't you tell him that we're respectable people? He says, well, he didn't ask me that. So didn't you tell him that we go to church when we feel like it? Didn't he ask that? Then you could have told him then that we read the Bible sometimes. He said, he asked that. He said, what he asked was, does Jesus Christ live here? And ain't that the question we all to ask of ourselves? Does Jesus Christ live in our house? And you know, sometimes this is called his house, his body, his vessel. He's called his house, his home. And he should have found a home there. Is there evidence to be found at our house that would prove that Jesus Christ lives there? Are there unmistakable attributes of Jesus Christ in our homes, in our lives? Is it evident by the attitudes of our hearts, by the things that we say and by the things that we do, that Jesus Christ lives at our house? Thirdly, to have a church in our house, it must be a place where love is practised. We have that opening song. Come let us sing of a wonderful love. Love is a, it's a basic part of the Christian life. Jesus said, you know, that you love one another as I have loved you. And Jesus commanded us to have that love for each other. And, and such love characterises the truly Christian home. In a sense, every home begins with one kind of love, doesn't it? The romantic love between a man and a woman. And as children are born to them, a new kind of love enters the home. The love of parents for their children and the love of children for their parents. And in order for it to have bonding power, it has to mature into something stronger and something more permanent. The Christian love of which Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13, the love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It's a permanent love. It's an enduring love. And this is a love that never ends because it, it reflects the love of God for us. God will never stop loving us. He saved us. My love for my family is reflected in our blood ties. But I desire to love them as my spiritual family, as my Christian brothers and sisters. You know, I'm sure we're all the same. We've got people we absolutely love, who are our flesh and blood family, but they're not saved. But we desire that they become part of our spiritual family. Yeah. Joined by the Spirit, washed in the blood. You know, the saying, blood is thicker than water, someone said it's an anti-Christian statement because it originally meant that our physical family is more important than our Christian family through baptism. You know, the, the ideal situation is where we love our family both because of our being in the same bloodline but also because we share the same Christian faith. That's a wonderful thing. And one of the New Testament references to a church in someone's house is, is in Philemon. That story is an expression of the practice of God's love. Philemon had a, a church in his house. 
but he also had a slave in his household who had escaped and fled to Rome. And at Rome, this slave became a Christian. Now, Paul was sending Onesimus back to Philemon, not only as a returned property, but as a Christian brother. He asked Philemon to receive him and forgive him. And for that to be done, love for the brethren would have to be practised. Christian love shown to a, a runaway slave who is now a fellow Christian. You know, some of our family might have run away from their Christian home. But a Christian home will gladly welcome them back. I mean, some of us, our children have been reared in the gospel. Yeah. But we get to a point where, like honestness, they run away. They fall away. And what? We want to be like the prodigal son, don't we? We're just waiting there for them to come back. We're praying for them to come back. Because in a Christian home, there's love and forgiveness. Whenever I feel unforgiving, I think of the old me. And I will forgive them. So, who am I to withhold forgiveness? Fourth, lastly, to have a church in our home, that home must be a place where Christ is obeyed. Jesus said, if you love me, the, the, the acid test of the love for the Lord is if you love me, you will obey me. And that takes us to, who, who is the, the final authority in your house? You see, the reason Christ is to be obeyed is because he's the head of the church. Some men might proudly say, I'm the head of our household. Some women, just as proudly might say, I'll let him think he's the head of our house. <laughs> just to make him feel good. I know of homes where the husband is in charge. I know of homes where the wife is in charge. And sadly, I know of some homes where the children are in charge. Yeah. But the final authority in our home must be Christ. Our children need to grow up, not asking, does mum or dad approve of this? Or does Jesus Christ approve of this? Yeah. Because sometimes, mum and dad approve of things that Jesus doesn't. True. The same can be said for husbands and wives and mums and dads. The husband shouldn't be thinking, I wonder if my, my wife approves of my behaviour. We should be thinking, what does Jesus think of my behaviour towards my wife? The wife shouldn't be thinking, I wonder if my husband would approve of my behaviour. She should be thinking, what would the Lord Jesus think about my behaviour towards my husband? And if we're living our lives in obedience to Christ, the rest of the family will see that and hopefully they'll start living their lives in the same way. It is important for us to be good examples to our children, Mr. Corino, to show that they've got a godly dad, a godly mother, seeing that their dad is a godly husband, to their mother, and to see that their mother is a, a godly wife to their dad. These are great examples. You know, it seemed that everywhere Akura and Priscilla went, they had this church in their house. They were obedient to Christ. They were interested in his mission. 
They took seriously his commandment to witness and to minister to people. Could we be that obedient to the will of God and to the commission of Christ to be his witnesses? And that's who we are, we're his witnesses. And what else is the church? We've already stated it. The church is the body of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. And Christ alone is the head of the church. Not the Pope. Not the Archbishop of Canterbury. Not the Queen. Christ. It's him that's to be obeyed. And so a church in our house is a, a real possibility. And really it's our responsibility. By preaching God's love in our home, the way we act, the way we speak, we reflect a home that's truly committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we can say, and my home is my home church. Amen. Amen.